0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 230. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed.
1: Is when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty.
0: Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. (laughs) Physician. Wearing a bit thin Fantastic.
1: I am Scottish. I can complain about things.
2: She'll be fine.
0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who, and today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story, Closing Time. I have that song stuck in my head now. <laughs> Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. Uh, hi, Dom, and yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy.
1: I'm lucky I don't know that song, so it can't be
0: stuck in my head. Yeah, it's not a, It's not the greatest song ever. <laughs> Uh, Folks, follow The Secrets of Doctor Who in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, your favorite podcast app, or on the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should also hit the bell to get notifications. I do want to recommend a new show for you. Check out the new StarQuest show called The Secrets of Stargate. Yes, Mm. after many requests from listeners who enjoy Secrets of Doctor Who, Secrets of Star Trek, we now have The Secrets of Stargate father Corey, you're participating yes. in that along with jack barrazzini victor lambs and lisa jones and uh yeah with well, well, the first episodes are dropping and we're going to be going through this uh stargate sg1 atlantis yep. everything so um yep, we're going right to down that.
2: the right down the line uh I'm having a lot of fun doing it uh it's quite the cast. We're all geeking out, and Jack's in there going, <laughs> "Wait, what?"
0: <laughs> so, so Jack is. Ex- how, yeah, I
1: love how all the aliens in the Pegasus Galaxy speak perfect English.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. they do, and no, no universal translator to fall back on as a gimmick. So nope. Yeah, uh, I should mention that Jack, who's hosting the show, is he's coming at Stargate as a newbie, first time. So he's you'll be able to hear how it is for someone who hasn't uh, watched it before. And then, of course, the super geeks that are joining us. Yes. So, uh And you, we will hear me—you know, me or Jimmy—as well on that. We're, we're going to jump in some episodes as they come up. We're going to pick the the ones our favorites and, and join in when, once in a while. When
1: the chevrons align. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, but that's the secrets of Stargate. You can find it wherever you find uh, your favorite podcasts. All right. But now we're talking about Doctor Who, and this is the an eleventh uh, the eleventh Doctor story. It's the second. 11th Doctor season with the 12th episode. This is the Doctor is now traveling alone again. This is, mm-hmm. it's always bad when the Doctor travels alone, right? The Doctor should always have companions. And he uh, is about to run into some old friends. So, but first, there's some strange things happening at a department store in the city of Colchester in England, of course, including a Cyberman showing up in a dressing room. That's, that's always a strange thing happening. Mm. Uh, Meanwhile, Sophie and Craig from the episode The Lodger are back, and they're now parents, and Sophie's leaving Craig in charge of their baby Alfie for the weekend. Uh, The doctor shows up, and Craig confides in the doctor that he's overwhelmed by fatherhood, and the doctor claims to be great at it. And, of course, he speaks baby, famously. Uh, He then has to notices some strange things going on, and so he gets a job at the department store where the odd Cyberman showed up. And he's investigating recent disappearances that are happening in conjunction with power surges. They together stumble on a cyber ship and a cybermat underground and the fact that cyber conversions of new cybermen are incomplete, so that's very, really strange uh, And we find out eventually that the cybermen their ship crashed centuries ago deep underground and have only recently connected to the local power grid and begun restoring themselves and that's why the cyber the cybermen aren't as Uh, fully functional as they usually are. Uh, The Doctor goes in alone, he's captured, and Craig comes to the rescue of the Doctor, but is assimilated. But the assimilation fails when his son Alfie starts crying for him. His love, fatherly love, overcomes his cyber conversion, causes a feedback loop in the cybership, and that explodes. And uh, the Doctor admits he's on a farewell tour, and tomorrow is his last day. He's uh, about to head to America. Uh, meanwhile at the very end river song in the 52nd century is activated manchurian candidate style by Madame covarian in the silence and members of the church of the papal mainframe and they put her in the spacesuit that we saw in the impossible astronaut and send her to lake silencio to kill the doctor that's a about the uh, recap i miss anything important there or we can cover it as we go along but uh yeah so let's start by talking about how it begins there's a there's a big gap in time implied here between the previous story, the god complex and this one, right? I don't know that that's
1: the case. I thought that this episode was incoherent on multiple fronts. I don't like yeah. it. Um, and <laughs> okay. we should we should mention that this is the next to last episode of mm-hmm. the season. So this mm-hmm. is going this is setting us up for the season finale. And they don't telegraph that until the very end of the episode. So if you're just watching it as an episode, it doesn't flow well Mm -hmm. from the previous episode, The God Complex. Now, I don't hate this as much as I hate The God Complex. To me, this is a really meh episode. It has things I like in it, but it also just doesn't hang together as an episode. It's just stuff going on. Oh, and Craig is back. The Mm -hmm. fact that Craig is back is the most notable thing of the whole episode, that we get to see Craig again, and he officially transitions into companion role, so he's Mm -hmm. now an official companion. And that's the key thing that's happening here. Everything else is just excuses to make that happen. And the problem is, or part of the problem is, that the Doctor is such a downer in this because at, at at the end of the previous episode, you know, he dropped Amy and Rory off, and he said, "I'll be back, don't worry." So we you know, we had no reason to worry. He said, "Not to worry. You know, he's going to continue to adventure with Amy and Rory. But then at the beginning of this episode, he's acting he claims to have just shown up at Craig's house for a uh, social call. Mm-hmm. And I do like one line at the beginning he he when he shows up and knocks on Craig's door he's like, "Oh, you've redecorated." I don't like, I like it. it. <laughs> Which is a second doctor line from the um from the 10th from the 10th uh, anniversary special the three doctors. Uh so I like the callback to that and then I love Craig's follow up. It's a different house. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, <laughs> of course it looks different. But he shows up claiming he's just on a social call, and he's about to go witness some amazing, spectacular celestial phenomena out in space. And he starts noticing that there's something weird going on in Craig's neighborhood, and he's resisting the urge to investigate it. And as he's leaving to uh, to get back in the TARDIS to go witness the amazing space thing— he stops and he says i am through with saving them and i'm like what why why are you through saving them and my first thought was because it's he's getting over his god complex because that was one of the things that was pointed out to him in the previous episode that you have this real god complex deciding you know a, about saving people and stuff and i thought well maybe he's resisting that because he clearly didn't you know Reject adventuring altogether. He told Amy and Rory he'd be back. He told Craig that he's going to see the amazing space thing. And so he's not rejecting adventures. Why is he suddenly rejecting saving people? And I thought, well, maybe he's trying to diminish his God complex. And then as we go along in the episode, this theme with him, even though he gets drug into the adventure, I have in my notes the doctor's midlife crisis is coming virtually out of nowhere. They have not set this up properly for him to be experiencing this much level of ennui and internal strife. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the episode, he starts revealing to Craig, tomorrow is the day I die. And it's like, how does he know that? And there's a line in there about, well, I couldn't put it off any longer. Sure you could, time machine. <laughs> and then and then they they reveal, finally... He's about to go to Lake Silencio, and we see how he gets the TARDIS blue envelopes. They're Sophie's. We we see how he gets the Stetson that he's wearing back in episode one. It was a hat that someone named Sean gave to Craig. And then we get the closing scene with River Song and her being put in the astronaut suit. And it's like, okay, for some reason, 200 years has passed, and I don't know when, but they didn't clearly signal a two hundred year gap in this season. And so
0: I don't I well, this is coming out of the blue to me. Yeah. It would have to be between when he drops off Amy and Rory and, and here, like between these two episodes. How well, do we know it's not in
1: in unseen gaps in the Amy Rory cycle? Because he doesn't he doesn't age. Right. Yeah. I mean he, he they're not with him every single second and so I mean, Big Finish does that all the time. Inserts hidden episodes between other stories. So I don't know how the 200 years has passed, but they didn't signal at the beginning of this episode that 200 years has passed. No. So all this is coming out of nowhere to me. Yeah.
0: Well, right. It's it's added in. It was. At, I mean, it just feels like it's added in by you know by Moffat, right. They did imply that
2: some time has passed because they show all of a sudden Amy now is like this model for
1: some makeup or perfumer. Yeah, Pet- perfume, the perfume. smell yeah. of the the smell of earth after rain. Yeah, from, uh, you know from a couple episodes ago,
2: Doctor's that, Life.
0: Yeah, and that the, she's and, that and she,
1: the girl who's waiting. Yeah, and yeah. that she's been
2: doing it for a while because she's recognizable. Like this little girl comes up and asks for her signature, you know, her autograph, you know. So I mean. Mm-hmm. they've shown that sometime has passed, but no, they haven't made it clear that the doctor is so much older now. And I don't know. It's, it, this is, this is an episode that when I, when I first started watching it, rewatching it here, it's like, well, why I know this episode annoys me, but I can't remember why. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it. And it's just like, okay, it's a fun episode. Craig is being Craig and the baby's storm storm again. is cute. And yes, you know, the doctor's being the doctor. Okay. This is fine. And then there's a line about, partners and companions and from there it goes downhill very quickly but that's another story altogether yeah it's just it's i agree with you jimmy it really is it's incoherent it really it it, it's clear it's meant to be a bridge episode from god complex to the final episode it's meant to be a let's get things set up for the final episode and it's meant to do it in a way that's supposed to be kind of tongue-in-cheek and funny and oh yeah craig's here and we have laughs and craig's being you know James Condon is being James Condon, and, you know, but it really doesn't do it very well.
1: Yeah. The, I think there's a problem with this episode in the, on the writing level that is, it goes in a couple of directions. One of them, it, so I, a while back, back before Solo, a Star Wars story came out, mm-hmm. I saw some YouTube film critics discussing it and what they expected to happen. And they expected it to have not just fan service, because you expect some of that, but explaining minute details that nobody really cares about. You know, um, it's like, oh, we're going to get to see where the dice in the Millennium Falcon come from, and we're going (laughs) to get to see the game where Solo wins it from Calrissian, and we're going to get to see the Kessel Run, and it's going to have a bizarre explanation for the parsecs and stuff that doesn't make any sense. and. And it's just going to explain every last little thing about Han Solo to set up his, his him as a character in A New Hope. And, it, and then it did exactly that. Mm-hmm. And And I think that this episode tries to do the same thing and deflates the impossible astronaut and the series arc in the process. Because... I don't really need to know where the doctor got the TARDIS blue envelopes, (laughs) and I don't really need to know where he got the Stetson. It actually, They had a perfectly good explanation at the beginning of The Impossible Astronaut where I could believe there was a 200-year jump because suddenly the doctor comes out of nowhere, and they haven't had contact with him for a while, and now he's wearing a Stetson and acting differently. Okay, 200-year jump explains that. Mm -hmm. But then in this, they connect it up to where he's on the verge of going there, and now I get all this detail that I don't need about where these things came from. So the TARDIS envelopes are now less mysterious, you know, (laughs) uh, because now I know where they came from. The Stetson is less mysterious because now I know where it came from. And they then, in the final episode, which we haven't watched yet, they're going to walk back. The his resolution to go to his death, Mm -hmm. because it's going to turn out he's going to start resisting going to his death again, and it's going to take the death of the brigadier to make him go. And so why then have this episode to set that up if you're just going to reset it up next episode? If you want to do a light comedy episode about the doctor and Craig and a baby, great, do that. So don't encumber it with the doom and gloom of the passing season arc. You don't need to do that. Let it stand on its own. We should mention, by the way, the baby's official name is Alfie, but he prefers to be called Stormageddon Dark Lord of All.
0: Yeah, right, right. And that That, was that is that is one of the enduring uh, little bits that fans really enjoy was that the doctor reveals that he speaks baby and, and spends the episode interpreting, translating for Alfie. Uh, things like yeah, he 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 says, "Mom, you're you and I are not mom, and everyone else are peasants." So, <laughs> really, yeah. I like that bit. Also, the doctor's very good with babies. He shushes them, and they go they go quiet. And he says, "It's about intelligence, you know. If if you have a lower develop, lower developed intelligence, you can do that once." And then he does it to Craig, and then he does it to the shop girl actually several times, which yeah. I thought was was kind of a little funny gimmick. I was going to mention the 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 setting of the department store, which is a setting that we've had before in new who which was when rose, rose. The original rose episode yep. and it kind of sets up this i like, this thing that doctor who does a bit which is you're know, finding horror or scary bits in the most mundane places or things like a department store is a mundane sort of place mm-hmm. and so you know what if there was a malevolence at work underneath literally in this case the department store so i, th- I thought that was an interesting uh that they went back to that in this, and I think in general it worked kind of interesting. I like that the doctor working in the department store in the toy department because where else of would course. the doctor work? And which where he has a is demonstrating a toy robot dog called Yappy that's not as much fun as he remembers robot dogs being. Nice callback. Yep, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so th- uh, those are some good things. Uh, also, everybody in the department store loves the doctor. And Craig actually points it out he says how do you do that it's a it's a power isn't it some sort of weird alien hypnotic power i bet you excrete some sort of gas that makes people love you which is was, i thought it was a a funny little dad line so uh but uh, there's mm-hmm. there's some there's some fun bits in it uh, there's a star trek reference that they make when they get transmitted into the cyber ship and so there's some things like that that i really enjoyed there. Notice the
1: commonality, by the way, between this and the Lodger, where everybody Craig knows loves the Doctor, and yes. Craig feels left out. So that's a, another common element. The problem is, I just don't love this the way I love the Lodger. The Lodger is a great episode, and I I tried to think about what is it that isn't working here that does work in the Lodger, and part of it is the humor doesn't come off as well. Craig has this kind of inferiority humor going on where he's, you know, kind of the the one left out, but he's the main plot driver and so we're focused on him, we're heavily invested in his emotions and and so you empathize for him as he is this awkward guy. But here they, like, dial the awkwardness up to 11. There's a moment in the story where the doctor has said, okay, you and I are going to investigate what's going on in this store, so go investigate. And Craig starts trying to investigate, and he's got the baby right there in his stroller, or buggy as they're called in Mm -hmm. England, I gather. And he is talking to a sales clerk and asking if she's seen anything unusual in the store which uh, the doctor has been pursuing a similar strategy and ultimately learns about there's a cybermat which cleverly has been interpreted as a silver rat robot toy yeah that mm-hmm. you know another sales clerk was going to buy for her grandson and, but the doctor realizes that's got to be a cybermat and so that was nice but then in when we see the parallel scene with Craig it it gets interpreted as he's putting the moves on this Woman, by Mm -hmm. asking her, has she seen anything unusual? And it's very awkward. It's deliberately awkward, but it's just not funny. Right. And it's painful. And I think part of the problem is they're shifting the focus to the doctor and his emotional story rather than keeping it on Craig and his Mm -hmm. emotional story, which is what we had in the first episode. Because if you're more invested in Craig and what's happening with him, then you empathize more when he's being awkward, and you don't hear because the emphasis is on the doctor, and what why is he so doom and gloom mm-hmm. all of a sudden? The other problem is that in the lodger, the Craig and his house drive the plot. Mm-hmm. You know there's something going on in the house where Craig lives. And that's driving the plot. And Craig doesn't know it. And we see a progression of people who come to the house and something mysterious and sinister happens to them. And so, of course, we care about Craig. And it's like something's happening right under his nose. Could this happen to him? Could it happen to Sophie? You know, these are people we care about. But here, Craig is pushing the baby around. We know nothing terrible is going to happen to him in the end. We see a progression of people that something mysterious and sinister happens to. The shop clerks are being converted into Cybermen, and I don't think I didn't pick up on the idea that these cyber conversions are incomplete.
0: Well, he was um, saying, "Why didn't it kill me instead of knocking me out?" And he was saying, "Oh, because they're, it's incomplete." When the when the Cyberman knocks out the doctor instead of killing him in the basement, when the security guard George well, gets killed, I,
1: I took it because George's conversion is incomplete. But well. Yeah, he Wh- says whatever. it there's
0: a line yeah.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. in any event, the cybermen are not integral to Craig's plot. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not we're not in Craig's house. This is some random shop in his neighborhood. We don't even know how it's related to where he lives other than it's presumably in Colchester, and this is just random stuff happening in mm-hmm. the neighborhood. It is not tied to the central character's plot. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it doesn't hang together as well. So it's just a lot less interesting than it was the first time.
2: Yeah, and, and admittedly, I'm I'm not the biggest, biggest James Corden fan, so I wasn't the biggest fan of the I, I didn't mind it, but and I, I like I did like the kind of the you know father trying to connect with his his infant child because you know those those of you like you Dom who are are fathers mm-hmm. you know children as they're growing will fixate from the mother to the father and go back and forth, right. and there'll be times when I'm sorry, Dad, I don't want anything to do with you. I want Mom, and vice well, versa.
0: Especially in the early days of when the ba- when they're, they're babies, I mean when they're right. that young and they're not interactive, shall we say? Yeah, they you know I found that you know that they were much more connected to the mom than they were to the dad. Dad and was not source of food and comfort. Exactly, I sense. was going to say certain
2: biological realities, which the doctor even hints at about you know yeah I'm sorry he right. doesn't have memory glands and I don't either. You know <laughs> right. It, right. it's it's that I you know that idea and so that whole storyline I thought was fine. I thought it was a cute storyline. But yeah, with all the other things going on here, it was such a, it just, it got lost. I thought, you know, they could have made a good story just off of that aspect of Craig finally having this connection with his son, his infant son that he didn't have before because, of course, the infant son was still focused on mom.
0: That's, that's where I agree with you, Jimmy, is is that you've got these two different, very different storylines. You got the Craig being a new father and connecting with his son and being confident in his, as being a dad. Storyline, which like you said father Quay could have been really strong, but then they've got this other storyline about the doctor going to his doom, which as a as a doctor Who fan you're more invested in because the doctor mm-hmm. is the more important character to you and so yeah you you've you end up splitting this story in half and it's not even an a plot, plot and B plot it's parallel plots and I've got to choose which road to go down with emotionally and intellectually as be invested in and I think that's yeah I think it it does a disservice to both of them
1: They're also repeating themselves on the conceptual level this season because we've already had one fatherhood story, which was uh, Night Terrors. Right. And one of my big criticisms of Night Terrors is, okay, father love saves the day. Okay, yeah, great. And, you know, parental love saves the day. Mm -hmm. In that case, fatherhood. We've also seen the motherhood version of it many times. So it's kind of a trope. And it's a little uninteresting for that reason. But it's especially uninteresting when it magically solves everything with, you know, there's some magic moment at the climax where, like in the case of Night Terrors, the father does not have to battle his way to his son through terrifying Mm -hmm. dolls. He just brushes the dolls aside, gets to his son, declares his love for him. And that unlocks the magic achievement level that just then solves (laughs) everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I commented at the time, I would much rather see the father demonstrate his love rather than declare it, Um, you know, on the show-don't-tell principle. If he had to battle his way to his son to save him and we skipped out on the I-love-you-so-much stuff, it would have been much more dramatically effective. Well, early on in this episode... You know, there is danger where, like, the Cybermat is running around and trying to harm the doctor and Craig, Mm -hmm. and the baby is there and has to be protected. And also, the sonic screwdriver, for the first time, I think, ever becomes a literal blaster that's firing bolts of energy at something. It's like, you didn't need to do that. I mean, it's always been sufficient for you to just wave it at a device, even frantically wave it at a device, and the device deactivates. I don't need to see a laser bolt go in there. But Craig is engaged in those scenes. He's trying to protect himself and the doctor and Alfie. And I have in my notes Craig demonstrating father love better than the last guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was true at that point in the episode. But then, when we get to the climax of the episode, they are cyber-converting Craig, and the doctor is pleading with him to just remember, you can fight this, remember who you are, blah, 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 think of Sophie, think of Alfie, and it doesn't work, and the cyber-head closes over him, and it magically seals itself up with nanotechnology, and then he hears Alfie crying over the CCTV in the store, and that's what brings him back and we have another magical emotion plot resolution where all of a sudden, Father Love saves the day and magically solves everything yep. with the Cybermen dying and the ship blowing up and nobody magically being hurt. And come on, it's so paint-by-numbers. Well, and you've got the
2: ship that's, you know, how many, we don't even know how many feet underneath, you know, Colchester. And the ship blows up, and you don't even get it so much as an earthquake.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, and they also, they also hang a lantern on it, where after, after everything has been magically solved, Craig tells the doctor, I blew him up with love.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, he's right. just
1: explicit about it. I blew him up with love. And the right. doctor at first objects to that and then concludes, no, you blew him up with love. And I'm
0: going, yes,
1: he blew him up with love. That's the problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little yeah. I felt it was a little weird. The whole like cyber because cyber the whole point of Cybermen is the horror of the cyber conversion and that yep. you know someone someone good is encased in in this stuff and becomes you know is assimilated like the Borg, you know. And so you mm-hmm. get this this horror of the of the assimilation and and it's supposed to be you know difficult if not impossible to reverse or undo and we just magically undo it like Craig's sealed up inside that thing and suddenly he's unsealed from it and it's like uh, i, yeah, I would have I, loved i would have liked to have a little bit more uh, like you say jimmy a little bit more f- of of craig doing something real instead of just exp- you know right. his his love for his son magically mm-hmm. doing it yeah, yeah and previously
2: and, cyber conversion was you know, something that was, it changed your body. I mean, they're like, literally, you hear saws and right. lasers and everything destroying someone to do this conversion. Yeah. Now it's just, oh, we're going to put you in a,
1: in a suit. Right. Also, there's nothing extraordinary about Craig. That's the whole point. He's an ordinary guy. He's not some magical person like John Carter of Mars who's more amazing than amazing. He If you read the actual Edgar Rice Burroughs Mm -hmm. stories, John Carter of Mars is not an ordinary human being by a long shot. Okay, (laughs) And Craig is an ordinary human being. That's the point of him. So if an ordinary human being—I'm sure Craig doesn't love his his wife and—or not wife and son more than everybody else in the history of the Doctor Who universe. If cyber conversion failed this easily because of attachments to your family— they would have been blown up by love at the very beginning of their race. They never mm-hmm. would have gotten off of Telos right. or Mondas. And so it, it doesn't make any sense for that reason. And it, 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 it's just annoying.
0: Is it been? Have we been told before that the Doctor is not compatible for conversion into Cyberman? Because that came up in this one. Like, oh, well, we can't convert you. Yeah, I don't recall that no. coming up yet.
1: They're actually yeah. gonna next season. They're gonna try to convert him. He's gonna become Mister Clever.
0: Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. That was. I thought that was a little odd. Um, I didn't understand the the story point or the the reason why when the doctor sees Amy and Rory, he doesn't go up to them. He doesn't go. It's Amy and Rory of all people. You know. I mean, why? Why is he avoiding them?
1: I I think it's because he is. It's it's again being driven by the series arc, mm-hmm. yeah. Because he's setting himself up to go die, and he knows if he goes and talks to them, he's gonna get diverted from that goal, right?
2: Hmm. Yeah. And you know darn well he's gonna show up, and Amy's gonna go, okay, what's wrong? What do we need to help you with?
0: Right? Yeah. Right. Which would be fine because it's
1: Amy and Rory; they can take care of it. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that would, help. would t- that would take the focus off Craig, which is what this right. episode mm-hmm. is meant to feature.
2: And yeah. this was just kind of a you know wink and a nod. See, Amy and Rory are around still. Wink, wink. Getting you know their me?
0: paycheck.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> they, they they were contracted for thirteen episodes, so they're in all thirteen episodes. And this technically qualifies as a companion light episode since they're only in one scene and don't have any
0: lines. Right. I, I wonder if it was a bit of uh, you know behind the scenes misdirection for. You know, make sure that they're listed in the credits and mm-hmm. so that when people are reading the the TV listings, it doesn't reveal anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it, they do that sometimes.
2: I, I I do think it was, you know, in story wise, it's just a, yeah, see here. And, and, and again, to show that some time has passed. You know, yeah. that, like this isn't right after he dropped them off. Right. But also, you know, kind of show yeah, they're still around and they're, they're kind of living their lives and they, they're actually having, a, it looks like a good life, which that is actually kind of a misdirection in its own, as yeah. we find out later. But it's a, uh, you know, to, to make sure that we know they're there. But again, like you said, it's also so that the actors can have at least, you know, two, three minutes of s- screen time so that they can get a paycheck for being in this episode. I don't I don't think it was misdirection yeah. as far as radio times or something like that, though. Oh,
0: OK, OK. There was a, a little bit of a um, how about put it like a fan moment, like a like a little like fan service moment. Where the doctor objects, like to Craig calling the Cybermat a rat. It's not a rat. It's a Cybermat. And Craig gives the, all right, don't have a go at me just because I don't know the names, like fan <laughs> versus non fan. You uh-huh. know that's yeah. that was that, that was a, a good line. Oh, oh you have got
2: to mention it. It's the Cybermat named Bitey. Bitey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he captures <laughs> it and calls
0: it Bitey because it's got those teeth. Oh, those are awful. <laughs> um, he uh, when he captures or when he uh. When the Cyberman attacks, he has to disable it, and he says, oh, it must be shielded from metastatic energy. Don't worry. I have an app for that. And I was thinking, huh, this was 2011. This was when that was a, a new phrase, mm-hmm. like the yeah. idea of e- there's an app for that. So I th- I thought that was kind of interesting how it sort of dates it, and it really sets it in time. I I, would, mean, I, was- I had
1: misremembered which episode that phrase came up in. I thought that came up in The Girl Who Waited, but no, it came up in Closing Time. But I remembered yeah. that line from back then.
0: Yeah. 2011 was just a few years after apps.
1: So one other comment I have about the overall structure of this story, and then I'll shut up about it and talk about details, (laughs) is 30 minutes in, I have in my notes, 30 minutes in, and we don't know why the Cybermen are here. There is only 15 minutes left in this episode. Right. And in Classic Who, you can go 30 minutes and not even know who the villain is, because that Mm -hmm. was a standard structure back then. You you watch the first episode, which is setting the stage for the story. At the end of the first episode, they reveal who the villain is, and then you're off and running. And so it's not that there's a problem in principle with having 30 minutes before you really understand what's going on, but in New Who, it is a problem because the episodes are only 45 minutes long, and that's a complete story. Mm-hmm. And so if if we've seen Cybermen earlier in this story and they're just showing up randomly in a department store and passing in and out of the scene really fast, and it's not their normal setting, it raises questions in the viewer's mind. And I find it hard to engage with the story when we're 30 minutes in, we're two-thirds of the way through the story, I have no idea why they're even here. Mm -hmm. And so it makes the beginning of the story less engaging, and it makes the end of the story feel rushed. And what we really have here is they're pitching this as a mystery plot, but there's no real—because uh, we see them investigating. That's what they're doing. But other than finding the Cybermat, there is no development in the mystery. They're not peeling back layers. They're, it's just random stuff happening. They right. buy investigating, learn about the Cybermat, and then we have this info dump in the final 15 minutes. So fact, I think it's yeah. badly proportioned as a story
0: we get it all in one line from the doctor. Like, this is what happened. They, cr- they crashed centuries ago, no survivors, one guy. And then you've done this conversion, then not enough power. And Hey, wow. Now we know everything that we need to know about yeah. the mystery of why they're here. And now let's destroy them. And, and that you're right. I mean, that was, that was really rushed there. And they were, they were trying to do too much in this episode. They, the Cyberman mystery, Craig and Alfie, the doctor brooding before Lake Silencio. Yeah. I think that's yeah. pick, pick one of those. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it, if this had been a standalone episode that didn't have to carry the Doctor to the final episode, I, I think it would it could have. I I enjoyed the bits of it that were mm-hmm. that were that you, maybe you guys did, yeah. but uh, but I could well, see it would have been a better episode.
1: Yeah, the, especially since they're just going to redo the plot logic next episode anyway, with the Doctor resisting mm-hmm. going to Lake Silencio and having to be right. convinced. So they don't need to do it here. I would have much rather this been a light comedy episode focusing on Craig and Alfie. They're mm-hmm. the most interesting, fun parts of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't care about the Cybermen. I've seen them a bazillion times. If you're not going to do something interesting with them, don't bother. They're mm. just window dressing is all right. they are in this episode. And I don't care and want to see the Doctor brooding in this way. I would cra- The Craig and Alfie stuff is the funnest stuff in this. Just give me that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we a couple details just to throw in at the end. Alfie, when C- Sophie comes home and she's suspicious that something's been going on, and Craig's trying to hide it, and Alfie reveals Doctor Who he says, <laughs> "Yeah," say, and he <laughs> says, doesn't just say Doctor; he says Doctor like, Who. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yes, so that 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 reveals to, to uh, Sophie something's been going on. So I had a I had a thing about the whole Madame Covarian River thing at the very end, that last uh, scene. Yeah, suddenly the, suddenly the episode becomes interesting again. Mm-hmm. Well, well, one of the things that comes up for me is like the whole the whole thing was this. River has been created by this alliance against the Doctor as a weapon to use against the Doctor to, to stage her, to program her, and then stage her inside the suit in Lake Silencio ready to kill the Doctor. Except what we're told is, is that River is knocked out, put in the suit, and the suit is automated. Well, like she's okay. Not, yeah. Yeah and it's like what why do we need river at all in this scenario and I, I that might be a bit of a criticism for next the next episode i suppose but it it kind of came up to me in this one too uh,
1: yeah they and we can talk about that next time but the suit obviously isn't fully automated because of what river chooses to do next yeah. episode once she's inside the suit so it's it's not fully automated but still there is a question why do you need river if you could just have a robot do this Mm-hmm. Right,
0: right. Yeah, that that yeah. It, it seems contrived, but but um, that last few minutes
1: with River and Madame Kovarian and the suit. Okay, now that's interesting. I like mm-hmm. that. That's much more engaging than what we've seen thus far.
0: And we get uh, K- Kovarian resetting the uh, nursery rhyme from Night Terrors. The tick tock goes the mm-hmm. clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get that as well. Uh, there was another interesting moment to that where the si- si- the two silent show up behind River. And she's like, "What are those things?" And Madame Kavarian says, "Your owners." It's a, now. What does she mean by that? Like they're they're her owners. It's well, just like they've 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 they enslaved her as a little girl. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's true. That's true. And and they had enslaved the Earth, in, as we saw at Impossible Astronaut and that sort of thing. So, yeah,
1: I I like that. Even though River is freaking out at seeing the silence, as soon as she looks back at Madame Kavarian, she forgets all about the silence. But they don't make yeah. a big deal of it.
0: Right, right. Yeah. They let us remember the, how that works. Yeah. So anything else, you, you all, you all uh, other details you want to talk
2: about in this episode? Just one one small detail I kind of got a kick out of is, you know, the doctor's starting to work in the, the, the shop, and he's got the name tag, says the doctor, and he says, it's in case I forget my name, that happens sometimes. Yeah, that was a great <laughs> <Right>. line. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: right. Uh, how about you, Jimmy?
1: Um, there's a bit where the doctor is alone with Alfie and he's, he's trying to, cal- you know, keep him calm and stuff. And he's talking to him and he's talking about how Alfie, you get to live this normal human life now. And he starts listing features of a normal human life, like mortgage repayments and other stuff and right. throws, throws in nagging sense of persistent spiritual emptiness. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going like, Yeah, if you're a secular European that's lost your Christian faith, yeah, you will have that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Not all humans have that, though, but I guess if you're that type of human being, uh, yeah, you would have that. That's right. (laughs) But that that says more about the writer to me Mm. than about human experience. Mm. The other thing I wanted to just stress is I don't actively hate this episode like I actively hate the God complex. This is not offensive. I, I think it's just flawed, and there are parts of it that I really like. like. Like I said, I would have loved for this to be a light comedy episode that showcased Craig and Alfie, mm-hmm. and because they're the most fun stuff in this. Some of the stuff with the doctor, you know, the some of his lines, like the one Father just cited and the one I cited at the beginning about you've redecorated. There's fun stuff there. I just wish that they had focused on the fun stuff instead of the irrelevant cyber stuff and the doom and gloom. Unnecessary doctor going to his death stuff that
0: they're going to redo next episode anyway, right? This was written by the same guy who did the lodger, so so interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, that makes sense to have the, the guy who created these characters redo them.
1: And we may not in, want to entirely blame him because undoubtedly he was given a remit by Stephen Moffat to oh yeah, r- you know, write it with the doctor being all existential crisisy. And then Stephen Moffat would have come in and further modified it to set it up for the finale. So we can't blame the author entirely for this mess.
0: Right, right, right. Okay, so uh, if there's nothing else, I think we should wrap things up there. Uh, We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Doctor Who, including Devin T., George and Wanda, Samuel K., Jackford K., Denise L. and Christian K., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. And don't forget to check out the new show, The Secrets of Stargate. So that's it from us. What did you think of Closing Time? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Doctor Who at SQPN.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the second Doctor story, The Ice Warriors. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing the Secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Dom. Father Cory Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, you do have a lot to look forward to. It as an adult, a normal human life, mortgage repayments, nine to five, a persistent nagging sense of spiritual emptiness. Save the tears for later, boyo. Right. This is gonna be fun.